you know, we're in the middle of this series called Together. It's all about relationships, and we're kind of going through the whole gamut. The first week was true friendship and what, how important friends are in our lives, people that we can share life with, people that can hold us accountable, can encourage us, can direct us in our same goals. Last week, we talked about the single life. We talked about dating and, and uh, how to prepare our lives for a relationship with God and a relationship with others around us. And this week, we're going to be talking about marriage and having a great marriage. And how many of you, let's see, how many in this room have been married more than five years? Can I see a hand? All right, now hands down. How many of you that just raised your hand know that you would not have been married those five years had there not been a ton of effort put in on both sides? Oh, not all the hands went back up. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you, we understand that, don't we? We understand that marriage takes a lot of work. I never knew that growing up. I thought, man, you find the right person, right? And everything just works out. It's just like it is in the movies. Everything goes just that way. But let me just tell you, you can learn things in the movies that aren't healthy for your marriage. I don't know about y'all, but I've learned, I learned some things growing up that were not healthy. When I get, gave my life to Christ and began to look at God's word about relationships and dating and marriage, it was a total 180 to what I had been raised in. And so today we're going to talk about marriage, but we're going to talk about, really we're going to contrast marriage, but we're going to talk about the difference between, and this is the first two in your notes, the difference between a contract and a covenant, that's why the, the message title is called Covenant Marriage Today. That's the way God intended it. But so many times we approach it as a contract when a contract is this, when we protect our rights and we limit our responsibilities. All the business people said amen, right? In business, that's the way it works. That's what makes us successful. We want to protect our rights and we want to limit our responsibilities. We want the maximum return on our effort. We want to cover ourselves. We want to have a lot of, uh, uh, make a lot of money off of that or a lot of resources. But let me tell you, in a, in a covenant, the way God wants it, the way that you can have a great marriage is this, that we give up our rights and we pick up our responsibilities, didn't get one amen on that, but that's the facts. That's what makes us have a great marriage. And can I just be upfront and honest with everybody right now, including everybody online? Can I be honest with you? That's much more difficult upfront than the contract. It's much more difficult for, for me to, to live the covenant way at first, but then there's much more return on the other end. God, God makes it that way so that I get to see, you know what, when I try hard, when I put in, when I, when I pick up my responsibilities, when I lay down some of my rights, that, and, and the other person does that, the other spouse in the marriage, it actually grows us to God. And the closer we get to God, the closer we get together and makes our marriage that much stronger. So I want to read you two different passage, passages today, one about our rights and one about our responsibilities, and help each of us, every one of us that are married or will be married someday, to put into our hearts and our minds some of these things that God lays out to help us make a great marriage. How many of you know God wants us to have a great marriage? Do you believe that? Can I tell you that the marriage is the physical representation of our relationship with Christ. And the reason it is, because God said, it's the most important relationship you'll have on this planet, and I want you to have a great one. 
I want you to have a great one. And even though there's struggles, even though there's difficulties, I want you to end up having a great marriage so that you can look at that marriage and go, this marriage teaches me about my relationship with Christ. Amen? And my relationship with Christ, it teaches me about this marriage. If nothing else, it teaches us to pray, right? <laughs> so, so read a couple of passages with me. The first one Let's talk about some of the rights we give up, but we're going to get it out of Genesis chapter 2, when man and woman first meet. You can follow along with me on the screen or read it. I'm going to read the New Living Translation today. Genesis 2 says this, verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And let me just pause there for a minute. I've read the entire Bible through, and I've never seen where God said he woke man up. So ladies... There it is. Since the beginning of time, men have been walking around in a deep sleep. All right? That's my excuse from now on. Sorry, babe. God's limited me on my potential. There we go. Y'all can use that, ladies. Free, okay? While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed. Y'all read it like that, right? Big exclamation point, and he's still excited. Listen to what he says. This, is, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh, and she will be called, whoa, man, because she was taken from me. And this explains why a man leaves his mother and father and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. All of that in there is super important. So many times we read about that and we go, oh, this is the creation. This is God creating man and woman. This is awesome. But can I tell you, this is God creating covenant relationship right here. He's helping us understand within a covenant, which is something we don't even talk about nowadays, within a covenant, how can we make these two who may be completely opposite from one another or in the eyes of God, completely complementary to one another, how can we help these two to live a successful, great, strong, nurturing marriage their entire life? A couple of the rights that we lay down to help that happen are this. The first one is priority. Priority. Whew. This is a hard one because sometimes when I talk to people about getting married, they're leaving their parents and they're going straight into their marriage without any time in between. And for me, that would be the easiest. Now, I didn't do that, so I'm speaking out of non-experience. I'll be upfront with you. Because I moved out the week I graduated from high school, and I was a bachelor for five years. All right? Guess who was number one in my life? My, my vehicles were number one. My food choices, amen, were number one. My decoration choices. My bed covering and... I had one pillow. Can I tell you all that? I had one pillow. It was the one that I put under my head. That's my priority in life. But can I tell you, if you want a strong, great marriage, rewarding, nurturing marriage in life, priority is the first right that a man or a woman has to learn to surrender, to give that up, because you're not number one anymore. The Bible says that you two will be joined together and you create one. You're creating a whole new entity. Look at, look at verse 24. It says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. So no longer is my career number one. No longer is 
my money, number one. Even, even within the marriage, listen, as this goes on, my kids are not number one in my marriage. If I want a healthy, strong marriage, listen, we're about uh, uh, the frog's hair away from being empty nesters. Those people we used to talk about, we're becoming them. It happens to us all. And as my son is a senior about to graduate and go to college, my daughter's a junior and wants to graduate and go to college today. She's ready to leave mom and dad today. We're constantly talking about, as we go out on our breakfast dates or uh, or a store run date, every time we get out by ourselves, we call it a date. Every time we go somewhere like that, we talk about, we need to make sure that we're number one in each other's life so that when there's nobody else around, we still like each other as much as we love each other. Amen? All right, good. That's good preaching, isn't it? And that's just number one. But the thing is, for that to be successful, Scott can't be number one anymore. What's great is, in a healthy, strong marriage, Jenny is not number one. The the other half, the spouse, is not number one in their life either. You're both working together for the goals, the dreams, the faith, all of that, what each other has in your life to help each other, help each other grow, mature, be successful. It's not me, it's her. And what's great about that, now that we've practiced on each other for 20, this, this may be 24 years, I understand what it's like to, to look at my kids now, and I want much more success for them than I want for me. Does that make sense? I would rather see them succeed in life. So I'm helping them. I'm nurturing them in their relationships, in their career choices, in their education choices. I'm giving them everything I have to help them. This marriage covenant that I've learned from my faith covenant has taught me even to help my children covenant. Does that make sense? That's the way it's supposed to work. So number one is priority has to be laid down. The second one is ownership. This is a hard one. Genesis 2.24, the second half of that verse we just read, it says, and the two shall become one. God has no idea what mathematics is. Can I tell you that? All through scripture, he just totally blows mathematics out of the water. I used to think math was the the glue that held the universe together. Nope. Because God said these two people are going to come together and they're going to create one. They're going to create one life, one marriage, one goal, one direction. Even though you both have two careers. Even though you both have two visions for different things. But together, you're going to work together to create one life. Now listen, I'm going to throw out another scripture out of 1 Corinthians 7. Because all the way through the Bible, God reaffirms this. And this scripture has been taken out of context to beat down one side or the other of the marriage for way too long. But I want to read you both scriptures together, not just one. How many of y'all would like it in context? All right, let's, let's read this together. 1 Corinthians 7, 4 says this, the wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. We'll skip that second part. We'll just go on. And that's what's happened way too often, but there's another verse to that. It goes on. It says, in the same way, everybody say the same way. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. The the secret to this verse, and what what the covenant we talked about, where the rights that we give up, the rights that we surrender, is not that one of us demands it and the other acquiesces, but that both, both give their lives, their motives, their agendas to one another. 
Can I tell you that that's a very difficult thing to do up front and it's probably the greatest rewarding thing to do long term in your marriage. I want what she wants. I want she wants what I what I want. Isn't it isn't it amazing too that all of this that we're talking about today in husband and wife, it actually directly reflects our relationship with God. It, it says that you can ask anything according to my will and it will be given to you. Well, how do I know your will? Right? Because I want everything on that will list. Amen? Is it just me? I want everything on that list. I want to pray all of that. I'm, I'm guessing you want me healthy, so I want that. I'm guessing you want me successful. I want that. Is that your will? But the way that we get there is totally giving him us and learning his will for our life. And it's the same thing in our relationships that I don't own myself. I'm giving her the keys to my life. And we're going to share this life together. That's how we make a great, strong life. Who can lift more, one spouse or two of them together? Who, who can carry more, one spouse or two of them together? Who thinks about better solutions, one brain or two brains? Who, who comes up with better perspectives, one set of experiences or two sets of experiences? And the scripture tells us that two are better than one because if one falls down, he's not just talking about a hole in the ground or a tripping over a curb. If one falls down, then there's somebody there to help pick them up. Isn't it funny that when I surrender to her, that her main goal in life has become to help me. And when she surrenders to me, when she gives me the keys, gives me her ownership, my greatest goal is to become to help her in life. It's just the way that works. And then the third, third one is this, and maybe one of the most difficult rights to surrender is privacy. Poke your neighbor in the arm and said, yep, that's what he said. Verse 25 says this. You knew I was going to read this. Verse 25 of that uh, Genesis 2 that we just read says, They were both naked and felt no shame. Do you ever wonder why that scripture's in there? Did we need to know that? Should there be a little parenthesis that says TMI after that in scripture? Too much information. And by the way, I'm not going to tell any naked stories. My wife said amen. By the way. But the point of that is, as we surrender privacy, that there is nothing hidden from either one there's nothing hidden from either person how can jenny my wife and i'm using her a lot today but how can she best protect me in this world is to know everything about me and and what's difficult is as we've come into this whole new internet phase of life is a whole nother discussion about privacy and understanding but can i tell you way before the internet when i'm doing marriage counseling with couples fixing to get married it's amazing how many of them and in fact probably half or more they would have two separate bank accounts and they were not planning on putting those together no no that's my money and that's his money or that's her money and this is my money we're keeping these separate i'm like okay Okay, but I just want you to know that's not biblical. If you, if you want the strength, the greatest strength you can have, the greatest blessings you can have in life, the Bible says the two shall become one, and that's in every area. Y'all can just hold your amens for the next point, okay? This, but the way we work best together is when we're best, both best 100% committed in every area and not 100 here, 90 here, 62% here, 14% here. Oh, the back to 90 over here. It's all hers. It's all hers. In fact, that was one of our big discussions before we got married because I hadn't filled out taxes in three or four years. I just got saved. Come on. My tag was out. All different kinds of financial stuff. And Jenny, 
we start dating and everything's just perfect laid out. Here are my payments for the next 97 years, all this kind of stuff. She's got all, and she looks at me and goes, what were you thinking? I said, don't accuse me of that. I'm not thinking yet. It's, I don't have to. And we had to work together. I had to change a lot of things about how I did my things and become very humble in letting her see those things. And even to this day, that before we got married, built on what we do now is that yesterday, somebody, I was driving, somebody texted us, she grabbed my phone, looked at it, and then I looked over and she's just going through all my texts, all the different people and everything, and it didn't bother me at all. And I thought, I'm using that tomorrow. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow. Because that's something we started from once we started getting a phone, there's nothing secret in there. Unless I say, hey, the text from your mom about your birthday's in there, don't read that. And then I have to watch her because she'll still sneak a peek if you, you know. But my conversations with other men, especially my conversations with other women, all of that's open. If you're using my computer and you want to go, let me click on the history tab and just run through that. How come there's a big empty spot here on Thursday afternoon through Friday morning? Like, why is it, it's all deleted, but you were on it. Let's talk about that. Because nothing happening in my life is hidden from you. Do you know why? Because I want the greatest marriage available. I want exactly what God called. I witnessed it in my family being the worst it could be. It was as bad as it got. And so when I got saved, I said, Lord, it's super hard. It's super humbling. And it's super not private. But I'm going to give everything so that her and I can grow the greatest relationship we can for the rest of our lives. That's what God has in store for each of us. So the rights we lay down, we lay down our priorities and we change those. Our ownership, we give those to one another. My body, my finances, my direction in life, all of that belongs to each one of us and our privacy. The reason those two were in the garden and they were naked and had no shame is because they didn't know they were supposed to be hiding anything from each other until they were taught different by Satan himself. I want to encourage you, lay down some rights and walk into this covenant relationship that God has for you. The other one are some of the responsibilities that we pick up. This is a, such a good learning time. This is exactly what I learned in the beginning and had no idea any of this ever existed in my life for relationships. Listen to this. We're going to read out of Ephesians chapter 5. A bunch of good stuff today. Starting in verse 22, we're going to read about 10 or 12 verses. It says this. Wives, submit, to your, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as for or as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Verse 25: Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And here's why: to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Verse 28, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. And here's a quote we just read out of Genesis 2. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
This is a profound mystery. Now, here he's going to connect the dots between Genesis and Ephesians and between our relationship with Christ and our marriage covenant. Listen to what he says. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. He's tying everything we understand, and we're fixing to jump in and summarize it all. He's tying everything we understand about faith into everything we understand about marriage. He's saying if you want to present your spouse to yourself, just as Christ presented the church, just as Christ came and did everything, gave his life, gave the word so that it would mature the church and direct the church and correct the church and help the church, all the believers, so that he could present the church as holy. If you want to do that in your relationship with your spouse, then there are some responsibilities for each other that we have to take up just like Christ did when he stepped out of heaven to earth to help the church. Let me ask you a question before we read these. Is your main goal in your relationship with your spouse to make them better? Whew. That is a hard question, isn't it? My main goal in life, faith and emotion, physically, spiritually is to make Jenny better not force it on her to lead her in what she wants as we grow in our relationship with Christ my job is to help her be better her job is to help me be better it's mutual now here's a couple of things that we're going to pick up some responsibilities that we're going to pick up number one it's the easy one, to love unconditionally. That's super easy, right? No conditions, just to love them all the time. Woo, y'all didn't know it's going to be marriage counseling in here today, did you? Love unconditionally, no conditions, except for that, those two things. Except for when she did this or he did this. Except for when they act like that. Listen, Scripture tells us, verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Just as Christ loved us unconditionally, just as Christ died for us unconditionally. You know, we, we've talked about recently in our, in our men's small group on Wednesday night, men, if you don't have anything to do on Wednesday night, whew, that's a, amazing. It's been one of the best studies we've ever done in the book of Romans and leading us up to next month, our series over the book of Romans. But we talk about one, one night, we talked about how the greatest example of that unconditional love, Jesus hanging on the cross after he's there, he's at the, the, the threshold of dying. Jesus is hanging on the cross and the very men that ripped his last clothes off of him who are down on the ground Casting lots for his clothes. Those guys, okay? Those guys that are taunting him, giving him vinegar on the sponge and saying, hey, you want a little drink? To dry his mouth up, to make it bitter and horrible. The very guys that are torturing him. Jesus looks at them and says, Father, forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing. That's the unconditional love that Ephesians 5 is connecting us to the very creation and saying that's how we love each other. That's how husbands love their wives. That's how wives love their husbands. It's unconditional. 
Husbands and wives, let me tell you this. Here's the greatest thing you can do. You be the number one reason on this planet that your spouse loves Jesus. How about that? You be the number one reason, the number one thing that encourages their faith is because how you live in their life. Number one responsibility is to love unconditionally. The second one comes out of this verse also. It's to honor respectfully. Verse 33 says, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. Throughout this entire scripture, this entire passage, over and over and over, Paul likens the relationship of the husband and wife to Christ in the church. We've been over that. But then he says, you have to love them just as Christ loved you. And let me remind you in Matthew 22, where Jesus was asked, Jesus, can you just give us the greatest scripture? What's your opinion of the greatest scripture of all the, the law, of all the prophets, of everything written from God? What's the greatest? You know what it is. We, we talk about it a lot at South Point. Matthew twenty two thirty seven starts. Jesus said, well, the greatest one is to love God with all of your mind, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. But the second one is like it. What is it? It's to love others, your neighbor, your spouse. It's to love them as yourself. And here's what he said. And these summarize it all. It's on, on these two things hangs all the law and the prophets. Everything that God talked about that was important, it all hinges on you loving people. It, it hinges on you honoring them the way they're supposed to be honored. Everything else in your marriage, here we go, everything else in your marriage, it all hangs on whether you can love and honor them when they deserve it and when they don't. Woo! Y'all chew that up for a minute. That's difficult, isn't it? Everything else hinges on that. And the third and last one is this. To submit mutually. See, we started at verse 22 in this passage. And I say verse 21 in, out of Ephesians 5 for this right here. Because verse 21 is the preface that encompasses this whole passage. And this is what it says. 521 out of Ephesians says, Submit to one another out of reverence. For Christ. Submit to one another. That means out of everything that we do, we love them, we protect them, we watch over them, we're, we're united with them. All of those things, they come out of mutually submitting to one another. My goal in life is to help you be better. Your goal in life is to help me be better. We are mutually submitting to one another all the time. My privacy, my ownership, and my priority. Why? Because that's exactly the relationship that from the beginning of time that God has compared it to is our relationship with Christ. And that's what he says. It, it all starts with you handing me the keys to your life. It all starts with you submitting to me. That's where relationships all start. Man, nowadays we're taught that it's different, right? It's taught relationships start by the looks and then how they treat me. If it's good enough, I can check that off. Are they a good kisser? Check that off. We'll just leave the rest of that. Oh, that's, that's what the world teaches us. You've got to qualify your dates. You've got to qualify your spouse. And the Bible doesn't have any of that. The Bible says it's actually all on me. It's me to submit to her. And it's this relationship that's working. And on the other side, it's her submitting to me as that relationship is working. I, I submit to her 
And I've shared those stories to you before, not, not great ways to start a marriage, but I, I would say sometimes <laughs> being mad, we'd be arguing those first couple of years. Now listen, I'm only doing this because of my relationship with Jesus. I'm only not yelling because I'm trying to be a Christian. And she would go, what? <laughs> it's not how that works. You can't say it. Cancels it out right there. But it was, it, it was actually a growing point for me. It was me understanding like, that's what I'm, I am submitting to Christ. I shouldn't say it, but I am submitting to Christ. I don't understand it, but I am trusting by faith that as I surrender to him, he's gonna teach me how to make this marriage work. And he's gonna teach me how to make this relationship work. Can I tell you church that I believe more than anything in this world that God wants you to have a great marriage. It is not God's will that any marriages are destroyed. That happens because of us, we do that. But I'm telling you here today, from this day forward, aren't you glad that God's a God of new beginnings? From this day forward, God can teach you how to live by his word. He can give you the power and the strength to walk it out, to live out your faith in your relationships, in your friendships, in your dating life, and in your marriage, so that all of those would reflect Christ. Can I tell you that there were girls before Jenny after I got saved, one of my former girlfriends who was started going to that church came and it's God's will, Scott, that we should date. This is perfect. You got saved, I got saved, it's God's will. I'm like, listen, God didn't tell me any of that. I, I'm trying, but God didn't tell me. He's got to tell us both. That's how that works. And the reason I say that is from the beginning, I was, you have to be more concerned about your relationship with God and how that works out than your relationship with your spouse. You get this one going in the right direction and God can teach you that one. And that's how I wanna to pray today. Would you, would you close your eyes with me and let me pray for you? And let me say this, I, I wanna pray for our marriages in this room. First and foremost, I wanna pray for our marriages, for every one of them. But if you're here and you say, Scott, I've wandered away from my relationship with Christ. And until that happens, I, I want you to know that until your relationship with Christ is right, you're fighting against the world in your, in your marriage. And today I wanna encourage you. I wanna pray for our marriages, but I also wanna pray for those that say, Scott, include me in your prayer because I need to get my life right with Jesus. I need to get back to where I need to be. Maybe I need to start my relationship with Christ. I need to take a step of faith and surrender to him first and foremost. And I'm not gonna call you up front or make you stand up or anything like that, but to let me know that you're making that decision and for you to just take a first step, would you just, while everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you just look at me really quick and just give me a little wave and lets me know you're praying for me, man. I am today, I'm taking that step asking Jesus to come into my life. If that's you, just give me a little quick wave. Awesome. Awesome. You can put your hand right back down really quick. Fantastic. Super proud of you. Takes a lot of strength, but that's the first step. Anyone else? It's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray first and foremost for these that have raised their hand here today signifying, Lord, symbolizing what, what's going on in their life, how much you're showing them that today, today, as they surrender to you, as they 
regenerate that relationship with you as they open their heart and ask you to come into their life and be their Lord and their Savior. That, Lord, you will teach them your ways. That you'll forgive them of their past. You'll put them on the right path. And from this day forward, you'll help them learn to live for you. I pray that you would bless their marriage, their marriages, all of those that they represent, their families, that you would bless them. And Lord, I pray for everyone in this room, every marriage, every future marriage in this room. I pray that just as your will was from the beginning, as you stated in Mark chapter 10, what God has joined together, let no man separate. What we say in so many wedding vows, I pray that for every marriage in this place today, that as we read your word, as we listen to your spirit and we grow closer in our relationship with you, Lord, that you would help each one of us to submit ourselves to our spouse, to love them unconditionally and to honor them respectfully. Lord, today we reprioritize our lives, put you first and then our spouse and then us. We give over ownership of our direction, our, our, our will to you and our spouse. And Lord, we ask that you would bless it because we know that if your hand is in it and your will is prevailing, then we will have a great and strong marriage. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen.